but it's always really tempting to just begin writing down everything you know, and that has its place, like in just transfer knowledge. But if you try and once you've got to grips with the feature, figure out the kind of topic structure for it, the hierarchy, what you're going to include when you chunk it up, what you're going to write about. And this then becomes much easier to kind of just plug content into that. You may change the structure slightly or you know bits you may have missed. And doing that actually makes it easier to spot gaps as well. So what it means is it just focuses your documentation. You make sure that you're delivering the documentation that's right for your user, as opposed to just kind of what, what you feel you should be writing about. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Mark Sillings, Senior Technical Writer at Boomi. Welcome, Mark, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? Good morning, Gary. Uh, very well, thank you. Excited to be on here. I've listened to the podcast quite a lot. Yeah. So, Mark, I know you must have done so many things to become a senior technical writer at Boomi, but please he- uh, help me understand a little bit more about yourself and also how did this whole journey begin? Yep. Um, yeah, my pleasure. So, I've been a technical writer for about 20 years or so now, I would guess. Um, I graduated... Uh, in London, King's College London in the late 90s. Uh, seems like a long while ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with English, like in an English degree. Um, and I sort of temped around London. And this was during the big IT boom, really, in London uh, and the UK. Uh, so I became a technical, like my first technical writing job. I kind of worked in IT jobs, but my first technical writing job was at IBM uh, down on the South Bank. Uh, and then so I was there there for a year or so, and then my wife and I, um, we moved down to Exeter in Devon, and I became a web designer then, um, which was really quite an interesting switch. Uh, then moved back into technical writing with Capita, and then became a technical writer for a company in Bristol, um, like about an hour away from Exeter. Uh, and that was remote working, which actually, you know, 15 years ago was was not very common. But that was a really interesting experience and, you know, worked really well. Uh, and I stayed there technical writing, but also doing a lot of the graphic design for the company, even developing the actual knowledge base. Um, I think I built it in ASP and, and an access database all those years ago. So um, quite a kind of a, a general experience between technical writing and design, I would say, um, and some e-learning along the way. Uh, I've been at Boomi for two and a half years now. Uh, interestingly, just before I joined, I took a career hiatus and did a PGCE in teaching. Um, so it was something I wanted to explore. Learned mm-hmm. an awful lot. There's a lot of crossover, ironically, or you know, um, which I'd never never thought there would be between technical writing uh, and teaching. Great experience, but when Brumi approached me, um, it was too good an opportunity to miss. So, yeah, that's where I am now. Very nice, uh, Mark. So I know 20 years of experience. Um, I'm sure there's lots to discuss and share. So let's just talk about uh, your educational background a bit more. Um, you did mention that uh, you have a bachelor's in English and classical mm-hmm. studies. So what advice do you have for writers looking to transition into technical writing? I think, yeah, it's, it's, I've 
So I've been giving talks. Um, we were actually, when we were part of Dell, uh, I was working with Dell through the charity, um, the Talent Foundry, and we were giving talks to students. And, and this kind of question came up quite a bit. Um, I think there's no set path, really. Uh, I know in the US that, that there are kind of degrees in technical communication, such as becoming more of a field. Uh, in the UK, it's less so. So um, if you can't get into technical writing per se, like to begin with, um, try and get into a technology company. And quite often you will find uh, technical writers within the company wow. usually will be quite happy for some help. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can always kind of start to branch off that way. Um, I guess it's about learning some skills. Um, you know, there's lots of courses, there's forums, Write the Docs is a good kind of place to look at, like as a community. Um, but equally, there's a lot of open source software. Um, and quite often, you can just kind of get involved in projects there and just begin writing documentation, which will teach you, you will learn from it, and you will have something to show, um, like when you want to try and try and get further in, into the jobs uh, within it. So, yeah, I think the other thing is perhaps, and this is one thing we really drummed into students, um, be open. Like, you, you don't really, there's no, there's no kind of magic career path. Um, be open to opportunities uh, and just do what you can to get into it. Um, don't worry about money, things like that. Just just get a foot in the door somehow um, and, and kind of grow from there. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's one thing um, we keep telling our kids as well. Don't worry about the money. The learning mm. is the most important part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the money will come later, you yeah. know, but, but get into the field you want to get into first. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's your favorite stage of technical writing project um, and why is your favorite? Um, that's a good question. I guess um, there's obviously the kind of the thrill of where it's released and you see it go out. And then there's that period where you're kind of, does this meet everyone's needs? Is this answering all the questions? So when you start to see um, feedback coming in saying, fantastic, this has solved everything for us. And, and equally, sometimes it's where things go quiet. And you kind of go, well, actually, um, people are using it and there are no problems with it. And that's almost a good thing. Like no news is good, uh, no news is bad news, <laughs> uh, good news. So um, that's obviously kind of a, you know, a quick hit as it were. But uh, I quite like in the process, just the initial understanding, the kind of um, working with developers, figuring it out yourself. Um, and when, when you kind of, really feel like you know you know something and you realize that actually you're one of the few people who do fully understand something. It's quite a nice position to then teach people that, like obviously through writing. Um, so I guess maybe that that's why I looked at teaching. Perhaps I enjoy that side of things. Mm -hmm. Nice. And I also understand that you combine your technical writing skills with the graphic and web design. Mm. So tell me about uh, the benefits of having those skills for technical writing projects, Mark. Yeah, I, th I think um, just in terms of like, say, like your own career, I think the more strings to your bow, the better. Uh, you know, in, in the past, technical manuals, you think of the old ones were um, technical writers would basically write these kind of this wall of text. Uh, and if there were some nice pictures, great. Um, it wasn't necessarily at the forefront. I think obviously with my experience in the web and having watched it develop over 20 years, you know, I remember it right at the beginning, um, you know, when I was literally writing websites in Notepad uh, and you could maybe have, you know, the days of dial-up where you could have one image maybe or two images on the page. So 
you really had to think about things visually. Uh, so the way the web is now, which is generally how most documentation is delivered, certainly in the kind of software side of things, uh, it's a visual medium, and you you can't just like give people this wall of text. You have to be aware. For me personally, I think you have, to, and obviously this is the design side of it coming out. Um, I'm very aware of the finished product, so it's almost like a holistic approach. So uh, the content's great, but if the content is delivered in a way that isn't you know, um, the best, then I really kind of, that really gets to me. So I do drive people mad sometimes by um, by becoming really involved in actually, this is great, but I think this could look better. This could be done a certain way, et cetera. Um, so I think it really helps to kind of, to not just go, okay, the, the writing's done. Um, I, I, I don't like to leave it there. I, I kind of go all the way through. Uh, and I suppose the other thing is, uh, I always try and, you'll probably find, if you were to look at my documentation over time, you'll probably always find a couple of things. One is, um, you'll always find the phrase, for example, all over the place, because I think it's really important to give examples. Um, you know, you, you kind of will conceptually describe something, but then people need examples. Um, but the second thing is, I always try and, particularly with new features, some kind of high-level overview diagram. Um like a really good polished diagram, I think it just it just backs up that text, helps people to quickly understand something. Um, yeah, so I, I have found it's it's kind of played quite a good part um, in creating docs that are just like high quality rather than just text. Um, yeah. Nice. That's another good uh, insights, Mark. Um, and uh, can you just ex- help us understand uh, what's your normal documentation process at Boomi? Yeah, I mean. So I, so I actually am the Boomi Flow writer, which is one of the products, and I'm slightly different to the rest of the docs team. Um, so Flow was the result of an acquisition. So I'm based in Exeter with the team there, and obviously the rest of Boomi's in the US. So I'll talk about the Flow area because that's kind of my area. Um, I guess the process, uh, I've got kind of two big main work streams, really. We have a legacy site refactoring uh, project, which I've been working on for a couple of years. But the kind of day-to-day release stuff, um, we, so Flow currently the engineering team, I'm very, you know, I try and get as embedded as I can be within them. Um, they currently work from like a Kanban board approach. Uh, we, we kind of use a CICD approach as well. So releases can be, you know, between one and three times a week. Um, so for me, I, yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever experienced it. Ideally, you would always love to come in after QA. Um, after that stage when the product's stable, et cetera. But realistically, in this kind of fast-moving uh, pipeline, uh, I'll liaise with developers right at the beginning. Um, I'll quite often uh, come in even kind of in kind of merge, uh, like really early on in the, in the stage, just to kind of keep track of what's in that release and, and make sure I'm comfortable with what's coming. Um, and even, you know, write the docs sometimes, even at that early stage without even seeing it. Uh, which, which, obviously, then you may have a bit of rework afterwards, but um, it just means I'm I'm comfortable that I'm on top of the release. We work in Jira. Jira is the kind of center of our universe, um, so I will generally prepare my release entries within the tickets, um, and then when the release is ready, I'll kind of amalgamate them together into like a you know the, the notifications, uh, and that goes out within product, and then I. So just myself in the docs team, I have this extra bit of work because Boomi has a monthly release cycle, 
and I'll um, gather together all our kind of releases in that month and put them into the Boomi release notes as well. So, um, and then obviously alongside that, I suppose, is any impact on actual documentation. Uh, we use a CCMS. Um, so, uh, you know, I may, I may have to write some new topics, et cetera, or, or amend existing documentation. Um, but, but I will sort of do that separately. Um, I just make sure that's in sync with the release notes. Um, yeah, so I guess that's that's my kind of uh, approach. I think uh, it's really, I've got a great engineering team um, in Flow. That it's, I think it's one of the most underrated soft skills in technical writing is being able to form relationships, particularly with developers and, and the engineering team. Um, so I have a great relationship with them. So I, I very often go to them and they're always happy to help me out um, with questions, et cetera, or just having a look through things. You know, I've got access to all the test um, sites, et cetera, so I can go in quite at quite an early stage uh, and keep ahead of things. And I think in this kind of, you know, tech talks now, like, you know, Docs' Code, um, CICD, things are faster. It's a much, much faster moving environment. Um, and you've kind of had to kind of adapt to try and keep ahead of things all the time. Um, and because I think if you're not ahead, you, there is the real risk that you kind of delay a release or, you know, you're just not ready in time. Yeah. So, so that's how I kind of work. Um, and then actually, and then the other project, the other main thing I kind of work with is this legacy site. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about that or if you would prefer to kind of just, just stay with yeah, the day-to-day stuff. I think um, just cautious of time, Mark. Mm, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> One thing we did not discuss a lot is, um, uh, is it uh, publicly available, your documentation, or is it a, a private one? Um, of course, what you mentioned seems to be more, mostly used internally, is it? No, 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 it's fully public. Um, yeah, it's fully public, but I don't, I, I generally don't think gated documentation is, um, is you know, I, I much prefer things to be public. So, um, as I mentioned, this legacy thing, so... When I joined Flow, the old site, the documentation wasn't kind of fit for purpose and it was quite on fire with customers, etc. Um, and anyway, through the whole process of, of redeveloping that and rewriting it, uh, I've involved a lot of people like pre-sales, etc. Uh, and that's one of the things that's been, you know, really well received about new docs is that uh, because it's public, publicly available, people like pre-sales, etc. can use it. Um, they use it within the sales process. Uh, you know, if you if you have, I think for them, you know, a lot of the feedback has been, you know, we get prospects asking us things, um, and it's fantastic now because I can point them to documentation that will that will give them the answers rather than me trying to figure it out. Um, so I, I think it's it's I think it's quite important to have publicly available documentation just because it it also helps the sales process. Um, I mean, it helps lots of departments, but um, yeah, ours, ours is most definitely kind of there for people to look at. Great. So in that case, are you aware of uh, your marketing team generating any um, uh, SEOs or uh, um, uh, is your documentation helping with the marketing team to strengthen their uh, searches? Uh, we don't. We don't generally use. So we have um, obviously you know marketing itself. We have community knowledge based stuff, which is perhaps more of, of something that we would push and use for like lead generation, etc. Um, so the documentation, although it does, um, you know, and we, we write it to kind of optimize it for SEO, like, you know, clear titles, descriptions, et cetera, but um, we don't use it as a specific kind of tool 
for like like lead generation, etc. Um, but it's kind of something you know we bear in mind. It may be in the future that we do kind of push that angle a bit more. Um, but primarily, it's it's there to support um, customers, you know, and stakeholders rather than um, being like a like part of the sales process, as it were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, shall we move on to the rapid fire round questions? Mm-hmm. Um, great. So, uh, who have you learned the most about documentation uh, in your career? Mm-hmm. That's quite, that's a really interesting one. Uh, I've probably got quite an unusual answer here. So. Uh, the background to that is that um, I've generally always worked in very small teams or like as the sole writer. So I've never really had like a, you know, a mentor or someone that um, I really learned from. I'm quite, kind of mostly self-taught. Uh, I would actually say it was the children in the classes that I taught when, during my PGCE um, because they they taught me some really clear lessons about um, when you're trying to teach people, which is, you know, effectively what tech writing is, um, that you have to be very focused and plan and know what your, you know, what your learning objective objective is. Like if you're if you're teaching a lesson, you have to be really clear what you're trying to teach someone. You can't just kind of teach them and hope something sticks and kind of roughly it's about this. Um, uh, but also, the, I'll say the most important thing um, is kind of knowing your audience. Uh, and, and going from where they are and rather than assuming that you know where they are. So um, we we would, uh, you know, I would not, I would have like a rough week planned out, but I wouldn't plan the next day's lesson until I'd marked the books, et cetera, and seen where the children were. Because uh, if half the class hadn't actually got, got the first day's lesson, they hadn't really got the basic concepts, um, there was no point in forging ahead because you would just look immediately, that was half the class lost. Um, so it just taught me about um, making sure you know your audience and making sure you write from where they are. Um, you know, so, so role-based documentation can help with this, and this may be something um, we start to bring into into Boomi. But yeah, so I think I learned a lot uh, about technical writing actually from from teaching the young children. Nice. So um, any documentation-related resource you have consumed recently that you'd like to mention to our audience today? Yeah, I mean, it's probably quite a common one. Um, write the docs. So I attended the Write the Docs conference a couple of weeks ago, um, and all their stuff is now online on their YouTube channel. And there were some really useful talks there, some great talks, some interesting ones about API documentation, particularly, um, which is something we're quite, you know, we're exploring quite, quite, um, quite heavily at the moment. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're always a good place to go um, look at their talks. Fine. Great, great, Mark. So one last question for today is, um, what is that one piece of advice you would like to give to your 20-year-old self when it comes to documentation? <laughs> uh, I, I guess similar to what I talked about, I think it's just just be really organized. Um, and by that, I mean, try and plan out your writing if you can. Uh, and equally, know, you know, know your learning objectives, say, to use teacher term. Um, before you start writing a single word, like it's always really tempting when you think go back to essays and things when I was at university to just start writing everything down that you know. Um, but what I found, and particularly with the legacy site refactoring, uh, it was really important. It really helped the whole process from start to finish. Um, was figuring out the structure of, of the kind of like the topic structure, um, and then what you find is it becomes much easier to see the gaps. Um, 
when you've kind of literally literally planned out the topics. Um, and then it's just a case of kind of plugging the content in. You may sort of change it a bit um, as you go through, but it just means you're, you can be really focused on delivering you know, the docs that are right for your user as opposed to what's right for you and what you want to write, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that would be the advice I would give. Fantastic, Mark. So thank you so much for all the informations and uh, details you shared with us today. As I mentioned, uh, 20 years of experience, uh, you had quite a lot of uh, uh, useful things to share with the audience and uh, anything that I have missed to ask you today uh, as part of this podcast. And I think it has been a pleasure. Um, no, thank you. I mean, I could I could go on talking forever, but I'm aware of time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Super. So once again, all the best for all the projects you're going to be handling in the upcoming months and uh, many more to come um, again. So thank you once again and enjoy the rest of the day, Mark. Thank you, Gary. Uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.